0: We're going to begin reading our text, which is the first four verses of John 16. John 16. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. When I was studying this passage, it became obvious that Christ is preparing his disciples for their departure. He's preparing them for, sorry, for his departure. He was, all things were going to be fulfilled. He was going to accomplish their redemption being crucified on the cross, dying, being buried, and laid in the tomb. And then he would rise again and ascend unto the Father. And since the time of his departure, his disciples have been preparing for his return. For his return. Now, thankfully, our Lord knows exactly exactly what his children need in the hour that they need it. And our Lord graciously prepares his child for that which they need. He prepares them for the day in which they live and for the trials and the difficulties that they each shall face. He prepares them for them, he prepares them by them, by them for how he will use them in his kingdom. Now, in our text, in John 16, our Lord is soon to depart, and what he's preparing these men to know is that the wrath, the hatred, the enmity, the persecution that he was bearing from those who despised him, from those who hated the truth that he preached, that with him gone they were soon going to bear the brunt of their hatred. They were going to face what he faced for them, what he bore for them uh, from their hatred against him, and what he bore for his disciples. They were going to feel that heat and feel that persecution. He tells his disciples, they've not rejected you. They rejected me. They've not despised you, they've despised my father who sent me. They despise his word. They hate the true and living God. And so this is true today, even as it was then. Men still hate the true and living God. Now, we live in Western nations, and I know that we've experienced much less persecution and difficulties in in regards to the truth than what our brethren here at this time experienced. Many of them were put to death. I know in some eastern nations and, and under certain tyrannical governments that can be pretty fierce, the persecution and difficulties. But the nature of man is such that he is altogether sin and darkness And he seems to delight to fill up his cup of wrath as though he would never stand before the true and living God and have to give an account for the things which he has said and done in this body. Our Lord and his scriptures tell us, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He said, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And that was in the last days when Paul wrote that, that last word. That was in the last days of which we are in now. Yet, our Lord tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in the Christ of your God. And what he's saying there is, I am your salvation. I've provided everything that you need. And I prepare you and give to you everything you need to face the hatred of men, the persecution of, of the religious, the difficulties and the trials and the troubles that we go through and experience. And so just as our Lord is preparing his disciples here for his departure, so you can be sure that he prepares you for every difficulty, every trial. He's preparing you, he has prepared you, and he shall prepare you, and he shall keep you unto the end. And so the same truth which was made a comfort to the believers then is the same truth that our Lord speaks to you and to your hearts to comfort you, to assure you that he is all your salvation. There is not a thing you lack in Christ. Nothing. You lack nothing In the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as it was there at the departing of our Lord in the flesh, so it shall be in our day and so it shall be all the way to the end. That same word of comfort, that which is the gospel then, is the gospel today. It is the gospel of your salvation, of what Christ has accomplished for you, his child. So first, our Lord says in John 16, verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. The believer in Christ faces various trials, various temptations, various difficulties and hardships and and things troublesome and trying to us. Many things which are actually common to all men. Additionally, we also face persecutions that are unique to believers. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier in the Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ. You endure hardness as a good soldier. The Lord prepares his child for Hardness, and tells them that they shall endure, that he shall keep them, and they shall endure in the Lord. A person who's not prepared for hardness, they'll be offended. <laughs> they'll be offended when those difficulties and hardships come, things contrary in the flesh to what his word says. We saw on Sunday the, the fruit of the Spirit which the Lord bears. He bears that fruit. He sets that fruit and brings that fruit of the Spirit forth in his child. Right? It, was, it was love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. It was faith. It was meekness and temperance. And that's just some of the fruits of righteousness which the Lord bears in his people in the spirit, in the new man. And if we should think that we're going to have those things of the flesh and that things will be easy in the flesh, well, then we would be offended because the Lord, by the power and glory of his spirit, bears this fruit of righteousness of the spirit of God in his people in spite. Of the things that they face and endure in the flesh, and the withering of the flesh and the trying of these things in the flesh, which which break down and and wither this flesh. And so <clears throat> we endure. If the faith, if, uh, if there's faith born in you of the fruit of the spirit, you shall endure. And he that endureth to the end, or he that endureth to the end, shall be saved. I remember in New Jersey, when I lived up, when Michelle and I lived up in New Jersey, there was a, a young woman who came into the congregation, and she was all excited about the Lord Jesus Christ, and she was joyful, and in a fairly short time, she was baptized into Christ, and she was so excited, she she had her mom coming there, she had her two older brothers coming there, and they didn't they didn't profess themselves to believe, but they came in support of their sister and and daughter, and she was baptized. And if I remember correctly, it was within that week of her baptism that her boyfriend got into a, a bad car wreck. And or, or was herself and and her car was totaled. And she lost her job as a result, and there were some other things that had occurred as well. And she attributed all her difficulties as something that the Lord had done, either in punishment to her or that he failed to fulfill those promises and expectations that she had. And so within a very short time, we never saw her again. We never saw her again. She had stayed away because she was hurt, for one thing, and then she just never managed to get back there again, and that was the last we saw of her. And so, if we have a certain expectation in this flesh, when hardship comes and when difficulties come, the flesh, the natural man, is offended and falls away. What did he say in the parable of the sower? He said, when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And having no root in himself, he withers up and dries. He withers and perishes. But it's not only difficulties in everyday life that we face. Our Lord tells us in the second verse, John sixteen two. He says, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. God service, either that he's doing a a good work, that he's doing God a favor, or he's doing that which the Lord has raised him up to do, he thinks. And so, at this time, the Jews were persecuting the brethren. They were persecuting believers and casting them out of their places of worship and doing what they could to turn the Roman government against the Christians, against those who professed Christ. And this has happened throughout time. We know that there was periods where the Catholic Church became strong and they persecuted Christians. There were times in in history where Protestant denominations persecuted other Christians or persecuted Christians, believers. There were times... And still going on today in various countries where Muslims persecute Christians. And there are governments that they themselves persecute Christians for their faith. And so anything that requires faith-like obedience to their system, they're going to persecute Christians. Why? Because the faith of the believer is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our God and our Savior. And he gives us everything we need. And we love him and look to him for all things. And so when, when faith-like obedience is demanded to another power, that's as far as we can go. We can't go there because our love and our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so persecution arises. Paul told Timothy, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You shall be persecuted for your faith. For your faith. Turn over to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. Let's just look at verse 6 and 7 there. And you can leave a marker because we'll be coming back to that area in a bit. Peter here tells us that the tribulation or persecution that we endure, it manifests, the Lord uses it, and he he uses it in a way that it manifests that faith that you have is of the Spirit of God and not of this flesh. It's not a work of the flesh. It's not a cloak of unrighteousness in the flesh, but rather it's genuine fruit of the Spirit. So look at verse 6, 1 Peter 1, 6 Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, various temptations of all sorts, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You no, know, to the world who looks at a believer who in the faith in the face of of death, in the face of persecution, in the face of of being stripped down in the flesh would still hold to Christ rather than just give in and go with what they want you to go with, it's foolishness to them. Just as the gospel is foolishness to them. The thought of Christ Rising from the dead is foolishness to the carnal man. It's full of troubles and hardships, even if they themselves are the ones that make it so. But unto us which are saved, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, his salvation, what he has done for us, it's everything. It's everything. It's the power of God. The power of God. Why would we ever turn from that? I remember reading in, I guess it was Fox's Book of Martyrs, that speaks of Polycarp, a disciple, a direct disciple under the Apostle John. And he was an elderly man. I think he was about 86 at the time of the persecution that came against the believers then. And he had an opportunity to deny Christ. And he confessed, 86 years I've served him, and he's never done me any wrong. How then can I betray my Lord, who's faithful to me and provided everything for me and loves me? And so he, he faithfully went to that persecution that was appointed unto him. So to many in the world today, being a Christian is but a, a data point, I guess. It's something that you check off when you're filling out paperwork or a survey or something like that. Now, you remember, Mama said we were Christians, so I guess I'm a Christian, all right? And and if it's not something that you're filling out and a survey, it's the type, it determines who comes to speak to you when you're in the hospital, right? I'm a Christian or Catholic or something like that, and then that type of person would come to speak to you. So it's really nothing more for most people than a, a data point, than just a, a minor description of who they are. But the believer is peculiar in that they are made to know their Savior. They are made to know their God. You are made to know your salvation. And that's the difference. It's not to you that believe. It's not just a mere data point, a minor description of your family lineage. You're a believer because you believe. The Lord has revealed himself to you. And giving you that knowledge. Which is declared plainly in the, in the gospel. In the preaching of the gospel. It's not hidden. And yet you hear it. And you receive it. And you believe it by the power and the glory of God. It is the power of God unto you. Doing for you what no carnal man can do for himself. It is making that word effectual to your hearts. So he says there in John 16 verse 3, Christ confirms this, saying in these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father. They've not known the Father, nor me. They've not known the Father, nor me. So here's the difference. God has put into his child This knowledge, this hope, this living vital faith in union to Christ being manifest and born in you so that you know your God, you know your salvation, you know yourselves to be sinners and him to be all your righteousness. To turn away from Christ is to turn away from your clothing, it's to walk away naked all exposed, having no covering for your sin. Where could you go? Where would you want to go naked and having no covering? So Christ is everything to you by the power of God. And that's a knowledge which is given unto you that is not given to the children of wrath and the children of disobedience, who though that's what you were, yet now are you delivered by the life and power of your God whereby you believe and follow Him. And so you have this vital interest in the blood redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have this vital meaning living, living interest in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on that cross for His people. That means that Christ accomplished your redemption as the Lamb of God, sent of the Father, to lay down his life in place of your life, to bear your sins, your debt, that which you owed to God in perfect righteousness and could not pay being bankrupt in your souls, Christ came and he paid it all, everything you needed, everything required of you to satisfy the justice of holy God, to put away your condemnation, By dying that death that you and I deserved himself. To put it all away. To put it all away. Christ said, they have not known the Father nor me. And so it's the Father who reveals this to you. That he sent the Son. We were dead in Adam. It was over for us. But God made provision for you whom he loved before the foundation of the world by putting you in Christ, and then in the appointed time, in the appointed hour, Christ came, being born of a woman under the law, to fulfill all the law that was required of us to do it perfectly. And he went to the cross as the Lamb of God. John tells us, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to take that anger and wrath of God that was justly on us and to put it on Himself. That we should go free in life in the Lord Jesus Christ, in him, in him. So the purpose of God in sending the Son is the purpose of his grace in saving helpless sinners. His people, chosen of him who could not save themselves. The wicked, they don't understand this. They don't understand this. Why? Because they have a righteousness of their own. They have a hope. That they have made for themselves. It's a hope of lies. It's a refuge of lies. And they shall be swept away in the wrath of God. But that's their hope. That's what they're trusting in. And so that hope that's been given to you is but foolishness to them. Foolishness to them. God tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's but one refuge. One refuge, and it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you that have no other refuge but him, praise your God. Thank your God, the true and living God, who has revealed that to you, because you know it, and they don't. The wicked don't know the Father, nor him whom the Father sent. And so, you know the purpose of God in sending The Son, he's revealed these things to you that Christ came and died on the cross for you, his people, to put away your sins. He was buried because he was dead. He rose again from the dead, declaring our justification. And he ascended up to the Father to be forever with him, reigning and ruling till his enemies are made his footstool. And he and the Father have sent the Holy Ghost, which reveals this work, this power, manifests this grace, this salvation in your hearts. Let's just see these more closely. You know why Christ died. Because he accomplished your redemption in his death. That it was for your sins and my sins. And I could not purge the stain of my sin with all my works and all my spending and all my laboring, I couldn't rid myself of the guilt and the stain of sin. But Christ came and his blood purges the guilt of his people by dying their death and putting it away, faithfully fulfilling the will of the Father for us. His burial testifies that he really died on the cross. They took down his lifeless body from that tree and wrapped him and laid him in a tomb. They saw that he was dead. He really was dead. You know that Christ rose again from the dead to live forevermore, never to die again. And you believe him. You believe the testimony of his witnesses, which declare... The Lord is risen and hath appeared unto Simon. And you believe that word. When the Greeks heard Paul say that on Mars Hill, they mocked. They mocked. You don't. That's because God has revealed that to your hearts. And that resurrection signifies not only that we shall be raised from the dead, but that the Father is well Pleased With all who come to him in Christ, you shall never be ashamed coming to the Father, trusting his word, believing him, trusting Christ, having no other righteousness but him. You shall never be ashamed because you've been made obedient to the word. You've been made obedient to the gospel. Exactly what God purposes for his child, that they come in Christ trusting him living upon him feeding upon him praise god praise god after his resurrection he ascended to his father from whence he came paul said in hebrews 10:12 but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever in the death of himself as our high priest sat down on the right hand of the throne of god he ascended Back up to the Father in that appointed hour where he is ruling and reigning till his enemies be made his footstool, when he shall return and destroy his enemies and take you that are his whom he loves, and you who love him he shall who love his appearing, he shall bring you to himself he's making every, he's working all things right now for your good, for your good. And he has sent the Holy Ghost to seek the lost of his people to come into their hearts and to dwell in their hearts by faith. By faith. He gives them the new birth in Christ. You are born again. You believe Christ not by the power and strength of this dead flesh. This dust that shall return to the dust. That's not where you believe. You believe Christ in the new man which is wrought in you by the power of God and the Holy Ghost, the giving of the Holy Ghost who works repentance in his child, turning you from dead works and things that cannot save to behold the Savior and the salvation of God's people. And you come to him, you go to him, believing him. That's the work and power of the Holy Ghost, in not Right? When we look at dead things and what we The world tells us we should be as believers. We're confused and disappointed very quickly. But when you hear his word. (laughs) And you are reminded of what he makes his child to know. To know him. To know the father and the Christ whom he sent. There's peace. There's peace. Because he is your hope and your salvation. And so he manifests this grace in you. And has made you witnesses of these things. Not, you need to stop doing that, and you need to start doing this better. It's, Christ is all my salvation, and He teaches me, and keeps me, and I have no other hope but the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, keep me, and He keeps you ever looking to Him, walking to Him, breathing to Him in faith and hope. Lord, keep me. Save me, Lord. He keeps you ever looking to Christ so that you're witnesses of these things, of what he's done for you and for all his children in faithfulness. And so this is worked in us and revealed in us so that you and I, the church of God knows the will of the father. You know the father and you know his will and his purpose of grace in his son and what he accomplished for you. And first go if you still have a marker in first Peter go to first John a little after first Peter first John chapter 5 And let's go to verse 20 First John 5:20 And we know that the son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You know Him. You know Him. <laughs> you know Him. And because you know these things in your hearts, you are prepared. Of the Lord for whatever he has purposed in your day. You're prepared for whatever the Lord has prepared you for in your day. Back in John sixteen four, The last verse there. <clears throat> but these things have I told you. That when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. He was with them in the flesh, but it was expedient for him. He says that a little bit further down there. I think it's verse 7. He says, it's expedient for you that I go away. Meaning it's profitable. Why? Because he now dwells in our hearts by faith. Not only them, but all of his children. He dwells in them by his spirit, revealing these things to your hearts by his spirit. For what, for who, how do you know what another man's thinking except the spirit that is in him? And God has given you his spirit so that you know the mind of your God and your Savior, what he's purposed for you in grace. In grace, that's what he's speaking of. In other words, I don't need to know the details. <laughs> I know how it works out. I know that my Savior has the victory and that he shall return in that appointed hour And take all his people to be with him. And he gives us peace and comfort in that very truth. We don't know what the days hold, but we know that God has revealed his salvation in his Son. His purpose of grace, so that you have everything. You are prepared for whatever the day brings. And the more you look to him, and keep your eye looking to Christ and you trust him, all those things which he's made you to know that the world doesn't know, they shall be food unto your souls and comfort to you and your peace because you have salvation. It's yours already. You have all things. There's not an undone part of it that needs to be done by you. Everything is done. He's prepared it all by himself for you, his child. So in closing, John 14, 27. John fourteen twenty seven. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Meaning you, you just look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.